And welcome to another episode of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, E. Vandervliet, with his trusted canine, Woody. Woody, how are you doing today? Woody says woof. And of course, in that one woof, Woody is saying, hey, go over to our website, thepblpodcast.com. All of our social media links are there. Click on our YouTube channel one. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And of course, you can see all of our TikTok videos there because nobody wants to get on TikTok because they don't want those communist Chinese watching what they're doing. Anyway, lots of stuff going on. Lots in the news. Hard to know where to start. So let's start with the debate schedule. Yeah, if you haven't heard, the debate schedule's out. It's been out for a little while, but I wanted to go ahead. It's because we're in September now and give you these dates. Bookmark these because who's going to want to, who's who's not going to want to miss this debate? I mean, who who would miss this? I mean, who would miss this for the world? Here is the thing about these debates that are coming up. One is, I think the narrative fast approaching, by the way. Is will Biden do it? There's some, a lot of chatter uh, that Biden doesn't want to debate. Black man is simply a false narrative. But how's he get out uh, of it? He did a press conference yesterday. Hmm, maybe you can call it that. We're going to get into that today as well. We're going to get into some directives that Trump has done, and then we're going to delve into uh, Deputy uh, Attorney General Barr kind of kind of squash the whole systemic racism thing with Wolf Blitzer on CNN. I want to talk about that and really dig into this so-called systemic racism. So the debates, when they, they're coming up, September 29th, the first presidential debate will be held at the Case Western Reserve University and Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland. Well, I guess it's a lot of places anyway, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Fox News host Chris Wallace is going to moderate. So here's my take on the debates, or here's what I'm looking for out of the debates. Is 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 this whole cognitive issue just a big scam by Biden, or is it really happening? We're seeing in the press conferences that it may really be happening. But is it all just a ruse? Because when he goes to the debates, if the bar is set that low, and he outperforms, he's going to win. He's going to win the debates. Now, I don't think so. That's just a conspiracy theory, but it's it's something to talk about. And if he is having these cognitive issues, these debates will be some of the most watched debates, I believe, in the history of television, because so many people are going to want to tune in just to see Biden's cognitive ability, myself included. So September 29th is going to be the first presidential debate. Uh, host is Chris Wallace. October 7th will be the vice presidential debate. They'll be held at the University of Utah. Uh, and let's see, that's going to be hosted by USA Today's Washington Bureau Chief, Susan Page. She will moderate. The second presidential debate will be October 15th. It'll be held at Adrian Arts Center for the Performing Arts in Miami, Florida. Steve Scully, senior executive producer and political editor of C-SPAN Networks, will moderate that one. And the third and final presidential debate will be held at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee, a beautiful city. Uh, and it's see Kristen Welker, co-anchor of Weekend Today and NBC News, ho News White House correspondent, will moderate. So the debates are on. There, I mean, the 29th, we, this month, we're going to see a debate. Will the Democrats try to get out of it? Will they try to get Biden out of it? I don't think so. I think we're, we're too far along into it now. I don't think they can get out of it. So these are going to happen, and uh, it's going to be a sight to be seen. I, I think the ratings are going to be spectacular because I think a lot of people, are, like I said, myself included, who want to see Biden's performance. And if, if Biden is really having these cognitive issues, it's going to show up in the debates. 
I mean, it's showing up now. We're going to get into his uh, press conference yesterday in a bit, but let's start off with political news of the day. Trump issues memo to cut funding from anarchist democratic cities. That is a headline from Axios.com. Now, it's a little bit hyperbole, right? Uh, cut funding from anarchist cities. That's not exactly what the memo says, but uh, let's get into what the memo says and then get into what the reaction has been. Here's the memo. It's memorandum on reviewing funding to state and local government recipients that are permitting anarchy, violence, and destruction in American cities. All right. Do you see that? Anarchy, violence, and destruction in American cities. Doesn't say leftist cities. Doesn't say anything about that. In fact, the entire memo doesn't it doesn't say anything about the politics, whether they're Republican or whether they're Democrat. Uh, by authority invested in me as president by the constitutional laws of the United States, I hereby order as follows. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I'll just kind of pull out some relevant points. Section one, it is the policy and purpose of the United States government to protect the lives and property of all American, all people in the United States from unlawful acts of violence and destruction. So that's the opening line of what this is all about. The second paragraph opening line, unfortunately, anarchy has recently beset some of our states and cities. For the past few months, several state and local governments have contributed to the violence and destruction in their jurisdictions by failing to enforce the law, disempowering and significantly defunding their police departments and refusing to accept offers of federal law enforcement assistance as a result of these states and local government policies, persistent and outrageous acts of violence and destruction have continued unabated in many of America's cities, such as Portland, Seattle and New York. Where is he wrong in that statement? Where is that statement wrong? This has happened. The federal government has offered to help in these cities, and they have refused. Uh, it goes on. For example, for more than three weeks, beginning on June 9, 2020, the city of Seattle allowed anarchists and rioters to take over six square blocks of the city, an area the unlawful occupants renamed the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, and then the Capitol Hill Occupied Protest. That's that Chaz and chop. Notwithstanding the fact that law-abiding citizens live and work in the invaded area, the local governments effectively endorse this lawlessness and taking on property by, among other things, abandoning Seattle Police Department's East Precinct building and forbidding the police force from intervening to restore order. Tragically, the mayor allowed the unlawful occupation to persist until two, two teenagers were killed and at least two other persons suffered gunshot wounds. All right, so what? where is he wrong here? Where is all this wrong? And he goes on to list Portland, things that have happened in New York City. He calls out the mayors of these cities, like in this case, the police officials have cited the decision as a factor contributing to the rise in violence, talking about New York. In light of this un unconscionable rise in violence, I have offered to provide federal law enforcement assistance, but both Mayor de Blasio and Governor Andrew Cuomo have rejected my offer. This is brilliant. I mean, this is like the right now the Democrats are trying to tie the violence albatross around Trump's neck. And this memo from the president of the United States clearly puts it back on there. He clearly has made offers to help and they have denied. He, they've pushed back. Um, he goes on here. These are not 
the only cities that recently have decided to pursue reckless, reckless policies that allow crime and lawlessness to multiply. For example, Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser allowed rioters and anarchists to engage in violence and destruction in late May and early June, requiring, requiring me to call in the National Guard to maintain law and order in the nation's capital. I mean, this is just amazing. So here goes that section. That's just section one. And I didn't even read all of it. I mean, there's more in there. Section two, review of federal funds. To advance the policy set forth in section one of this memorandum, within 14 days of the date of this memorandum, the director of office and management of budget shall issue guidance to heads of executive departments and agencies for each agency to submit a report to the director of OMN oh, detailing all federal funds provided to Seattle, Portland, New York City, Washington, D.C., or any components or instrumentalities of the foregoing jurisdiction. So he's calling them out specifically, but again, he doesn't say leftist cities. He doesn't say Democrat cities. He just lays out the fact of what's going on in these cities. And they just happen to be ran by the left. And again, this is just absolutely brilliant. This president knows how to troll these polit these leftist politicians like no one I've ever seen. He never in here says anything about their politics, just the facts of what's going on in these cities. It is just absolutely amazing. And section three, restrictions on federal grant funding. With, uh, let me see if I can find the relevant parts. Basically what this part says that why should American people spend their money on these cities that allow all of this unlawfulness? It's absolutely brilliant. I mean, he just, this president is like the best troll ever. So why should Americans, why should our federal dollars go to help these cities and these states, these leftist states? I'll call them out. They are leftist states and leftist cities. All this violence is happening in those cities. And again, the Democrats are going to try to wrap this around Trump's neck, and it's just not going to work. Here's uh, some of the uh, um, reaction. Uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo called the action cheap, political, gratuitous, and illegal, adding Trump would need an army to protect him if he returned to New York. <laughs> you may have seen that one over That one's already blasting all over the news waves. Andrew Cuomo is saying if Trump ever comes, sets his foot back in New York, he's going to need an army to protect him. And of course, the obvious answer is, uh, Andrew, he... Uh, he has an army to protect him because he's uh, the commander in chief, you know, you know, that army that he commands. <laughs> he's also got an Air Force and uh, Navy and, uh, you know, all these other people. <laughs> but Andrew Cuomo, uh, you talk about cheap political gratuitous. There you go right there. Andrew Cuomo sums him up perfectly. Bill Needhart, a spokesman for the New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, tweeted, this has nothing to do with law and order. This is a racist campaign stunt out of the Oval Office to attack millions of people of color. So is that where the people of color live? It's just in their cities. They don't live anywhere else. Atlanta wasn't on that list. Hmm. Curious. People of color, did they move out of Atlanta overnight? Did I miss that? Interesting tweet. It's racist now. It's racist. All the violence, that's not racist. But Trump saying, hey, Americans shouldn't have to put money into your failed leadership uh, and lawlessness, but that's racist. Portland mayor Ted Wheeler tweeted, only progressive communities with Democratic mayors, which he labels anarchist jurisdictions, including Portland, are targeted. This is a new low, even for this president. Uh, Ted, Ted, uh, 
your city has been under siege for like over three months now. So Ted, I'd kind of, oh, I'd kind of like to walk away from that one, dude. I'd, I'd, I'd be careful here because, you know, if, if the cities that he has selected are progressive communities with democratic mayors and that's where all the violence is, dude, I think you may be part of the problem. <laughs> but here in Atlanta, by the way, where I live, metropolitan Atlanta, we had some riots after the Rayshard Brooks shooting, I believe that's his name, uh, and our governor, Brian Kemp, who's a Republican, he called out the National Guard. The mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, said that was a bad idea, and the end result were, or let me, let me, let me see, what were the end results? Oh yeah, the violence is gone, and we don't have all these riots going on in Atlanta anymore. But in Portland, you've got a Democrat governor, a Democrat mayor, and it's been over three months. Ted, dude. And did you hear about Ted also? And, you know, Ted and I go way back, so that's why we can, you know, we can go first names. Uh, it turns out Ted is moving to avoid rioters targeting his home. Uh, this from the New York Post headline, Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler moving to avoid rioters targeting his home. The Democratic mayor of Portland is moving from his $840,000 condo to avoid rioters who have repeatedly targeted the building, according to the, a report. Uh, Ted, you're the mayor of a city under siege by rioters. It's not protest, Ted. So, Ted, what I would suggest that you do is maybe, oh, I don't know, arrest some people. I mean, that could that could help because the people that are doing the violence, maybe if they were in jail, they may not be able to do the violence anymore, but I don't know. So anyway, Ted, I mean, it's good for his neighbors, actually. You know, uh, the, the article goes on, Ted Wheeler wrote to neighbors in his building to say it would be best for me and for everyone else's safety and peace. Uh, Ted, dude, it's not best for you. It's best because you actually haven't been at your $840,000 condo while this is going on. No, no, no. You, you see, Ted has to make it about himself. But it is best for the people who live in that building. So I'll give Ted good on him for leaving to protect the people in the building because these peaceful protesters are throwing Molotov cocktails at the building and trying to set it on fire and setting fires around the building. So... Yeah, Ted, I think it's a good idea that you do leave because apparently Ted's got some other property, like a $1.3 million lake house or something like that. So Ted's Ted's okay. Now, the other people in his building, that may be their only residence, and it's been besieged by leftist goons. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on Election Day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address Make sure that you vote and vote informed. So kudos to Trump. Big on Trump. This, this is just awesome. Now, by the way, you're not going to hear the left scream this, but all this is, all this memo does is it's a review. It, it doesn't say they're taking the funds 
or stopping the funds. But what you're going to hear is I think um, you heard it from Andrew Cuomo that it's illegal, that they can't do it, that as a president, he can't do this. These are funds already attributed by Congress. Okay, this is just a review. This memo doesn't specifically say he's going to retract those funds or stop those funds from going in. What it says is within 30 days of this memorandum, the director of OMB shall issue guidance to the heads of agencies on restricting eligibility of or otherwise disfavoring to the maximum extent permitted by law. Anarchist jurisdictions in the receipt of federal grants that the agency has sufficient lawful discretion to restrict or otherwise disfavor anarchist jurisdictions from receiving. See that paragraph right there? Ted. Andrew, Bill, well, that's that's the, the, the relevant part that says they're not taking the money now. They're doing a review to see if they can, if it makes sense to do it. But that's not what you're going to hear from the left. You're going to hear the left go apeshit over this memorandum. And it's absolutely beautiful because what it's going to do is it's going to highlight all the violence that's been happening in these American cities ran by, wait for it, the left, not, wait for it, ran by the right. It's absolutely a brilliant move. Trump is, I tell you what, for somebody not being a politician, uh, this guy is so strategic in his process. And, and it's amazing. The left, they're so blinded by their emotions, they can't see it. I mean, I used to think the left was pretty good at this kind of strategy, but they just, they, I mean, every single time they seem to have a leg up, Trump just trolls them and just knocks them down. For example, Trump the other day went to Kenosha, Wisconsin. The left had another fit. The local chapter, the NAACP said he shouldn't go there. The place needs more time to heal. Even Biden said he shouldn't go there and he wasn't going to go there. Well, Biden's going there this week and here's why. Again, this is also from Axios. Focus group, Wisconsin swing voters feel overlooked by Biden. Some voters in Wisconsin say they feel Joe Biden cares less about them and their concern than about the people protesting systemic racism. So as Trump leans into a law and order message tried to align Biden with street violence and wrongly claims Biden is for defunding the police, that's from Axios. Now you can debate that. This is again from Axios. Some Democrats worry a fear campaign could work with some battleground swing voters. And Wisconsin is a swing state. Kenosha is a swing county. It, the, the representative in Congress for Kenosha is a Republican. And now focus groups are saying, mm, Wisconsin voters, Bill, uh, Joe, Joe, uh, they're starting to feel like you overlooked them. And Joe's like, overlook who? Uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, lovely state. What's going on in Wisconsin? Okay, I'm trying to kid here and I'm doing it poorly, you know, because of his dementia. But anyway, uh, so Joe is on to Wisconsin because Joe doesn't, he doesn't have a choice. He does not have a choice. So um, from, from Axios again, Joe Biden to visit Kenosha, meet Jacob Blake's family 
on Thursday, and that's today, the day that I'm recording this podcast. So if you listen to this podcast on Friday and the other day, that was last Thursday. And if you listen to this podcast a couple of weeks from now, that was a couple Thursdays ago. Anyway, I digress. So Joe Biden and his wife, Jill, plan to visit Kenosha, Wisconsin on Thursday, where they will hold a community meeting to bring together Americans to heal and address the challenges we face before making a local stop in the city. His campaign announced they also plan to meet with Jacob Blake Sr. and other members of the Blake family, per a Biden campaign official. So Biden now, he sees the polls, and this is what's changing the Democrats. They see the polls. And so now they've got to change what they're doing and change the direction and move this into a different strategy because they're losing. They're losing the narrative. And whenever you see them abruptly changing strategy, that means they're losing the narrative. So let's get into um, Joe Biden. He takes questions from the media. And uh, this is from Red State. The headline is Joe Biden finally takes questions from media it doesn't end well. So let's go through some of this, some clips here I'm going to play. Joe Biden has been in hiding in his basement for months. This is from the Red State article. He managed to struggle through a speech at the Democratic Convention with the help of a teleprompter. Personally, I thought the speech was horrible. I know there are people saying he gave a great speech. He did not. It's. It, it, can you remember anything from the speech? No, it was completely a non, it was a horrible, it was not memorable at all. Horrible speech. But since then, he, he wasn't even able to get it together for a simple 12-minute speech in Pittsburgh. The speech he gave Monday in Pittsburgh, again, it, it, there was some incoherent in there, and he was reading, again, directly from a teleprompter. Uh, no audience, and he was just reading straight up, no questions taken. So yesterday, he made, this is from, well, I'll read what Red State, and they say today, but it was yesterday. They made a big mistake and let him answer questions, and it was a complete mess. First, he had his staff filter the questions. Listen to this. So Biden, by the way, all this is pre-scripted. Uh, if you watch it yesterday, and I watched it just a little while ago, um, he, Biden doesn't call on reporters throughout the whole exchange. He answers, a, somebody starts speaking. He answers the question. He looks to the left of him. And then another person, another, I guess, reporter. I don't know. I don't know who, I know there were reporters in the room, but I don't know who the people were that were, that were actually asking these questions. Cause they looked, honestly, they looked like college kids, but anyway, he would look to his left and then the next person would ask the question and he'd answer the question. And every time a different person asked him a question, he never once called on somebody, at least not from what I saw. And he would look to the left and the next person would start speaking. So it was all planned except at the end, which I'll get into in a minute. So here is how the opening exchange when he starts to ask questions. Now I'm happy to uh, take questions you may have. I guess staff's going to call on whoever follow fire away. See, the staff is the one calling on the questions. The staff, not him. Biden, Biden looks to his left and he goes, oh, this and he's looking down at his podium and reading something because he has a binder with him, reading something or portfolio. And uh, then it starts. Now, <clears throat> there's one thing that happened. I'm going to get to that in a little bit, actually, where um, he was talking about Kenosha. Uh, and he mentioned something of how He's got an outstanding call with the governor uh, that they've spoken with their staff. So think about that. The governor of Wisconsin got a call from the Biden team. And they didn't patch him through to the governor. The Biden team talked to the staff and Biden still didn't talk to the governor. The governor, in effect, didn't take his call. Mm, interesting. All right. So from that opening, 
it is again from red state it went downhill from that opening he didn't take that many questions but even the ones that his staff took he had difficulty with there there was this word salad which i guess was about president donald trump but it was garbled at best listen to this and stop your boast about never being seen that what you, you you can do anything you're you, you always talk about your ability to negotiate that made no sense. Somebody asked him a question and he now is looking at the camera and I guess is talking to President Trump. I mean, it, it's just, I'll tell you what. And then he was asked if he thinks the officer who shot Jacob Blake and Breonna Taylor should be charged. Uh, he actually says Taylor should be charged. Listen to this. Your trip to Kenosha, Wisconsin tomorrow. Uh, last week, your running mate, Senator Harris, said that uh, the officer who shot Jacob Blake, based on what she has seen, should be charged. Do you agree with her? And do you also believe the same for the officers who were involved in the death of Breonna Taylor? I think we should let the, uh, the judicial system work its way. I do think there's a minimum need to be charged, the officers, and as well, well as Breonna Taylor. And uh, I might add, by the way, I think uh, what happened in, uh, uh, in uh, Portland, where a, one of the Trump guys riding along in vans inciting response is shooting rubber bullets, I guess, or paintballs. Apparently, there was someone shot by someone in the crowd with a bullet killed. I think that person should meet the legal requirements of whatever that calls for. We should be investigated and it should follow through on what needs to be done. Let the judicial system work. Let's make sure justice is done. Now, the, the, the gentleman who was murdered, uh, Aaron Danielson, was not one that was in the back of trucks shooting paintballs. And there was nobody, from what I understand, shooting rubber bullets from Trump supporters. They were shooting paintballs. Yes. They were spraying mace. Yes. But the shooting of Aaron Danielson happened after the protest. In fact, there is an article from somebody who lived there that was two hours later, this all happened. And for Red State has it right. This is what they wrote about this. Then his description of the shooting of Trump supporter Anya Danielson is indefensibly wrong and slanderous, seemingly blaming him for the shooting for shooting at people when no such thing happened. I tell you what, this guy, he's out to lunch, just typically out to lunch. Then there was an exchange at the end where he's leaving. Steve Ducey, who I was really surprised was there, uh, who's Fox News reporter, uh, asked him uh, this. And, uh, uh, and Biden went on this long word salad of an answer and never really answered him. But the power of our example. Thank you all so very much for taking the time. Thank you. I know you always ask a hostile question, but go ahead. So you said, and you had said recently, that you warned You said that you warned President Trump in January that there was going to be a pandemic and what needed to be done. If you knew that, then why were you still hosting? crowded campaign rallies in March. Now, what I talked about was not what had to be done. What I said, you've got to take this seriously. You've got to insist that we have access to Wuhan. 
insist that we have access in China to find out for ourselves. We had 44 people from CDC there. You cannot continue to talk about uh, uh, the president of China saying he's done a, a marvelous job. He's doing a great, a great job. When it got up to March, I kept saying, look, you've got to invoke, and you remember, I think I was the first, I may be mistaken, person calling about the Defense Production Act. And Biden just went on and on and on and never once answered the question of why was he still holding campaign rallies in March when he insisted that the, he talked to Trump and talked about this in January, the seriousness of it. And Biden went on for almost five minutes deflecting the question. And you know what? I got to give it to Biden. He actually answered a question from Fox News. I didn't expect that to happen. And uh, so, like I said, go back to the beginning. The debates are coming up. Is Biden putting on a big con game to all of us? Yeah, I don't know. We're going to see. And here's one last clip where uh, Biden then went on to say that Trump policies were reducing the number of people who are in real trouble economically. Listen to this one. And we're reducing the number of people who are in real trouble economically. Then it doesn't matter what I say. What I say. Now, you hear what he just said? He said if the stock market is rising high and it reduces the number of people who are in real trouble economically, then it doesn't matter what I say. He's absolutely right, Joe. It doesn't matter what you say because the stock market is helping people financially. Now, again, this is this is semantics because Biden uh, obviously was trying to say that Trump only cares about the stock market. And if it goes up, it doesn't matter what you say because Trump's not going to listen to him. You know what? Biden's the opposition. It doesn't matter what he says anyway. Trump's not going to listen to him. I mean, why would he? The man is out to lunch cheese done slid off that cracker don't you think so woody woof woody agrees all right i'm gonna wrap this segment up and in the next segment we're going to get into a, a bill barr basically shutting down systemic racism with wolf blitzer it's a beautiful beautiful sight to behold thanks for listening to this episode of pbl podcast politics and brown liquor